0: But this morning, I'd like to encourage you through John twelve twenty seven. John 12 and verse 27. If you would turn there in your Bibles, it would be great. John 12 and verse 27. Let me read down to verse 32. These are the words of Jesus. He's standing in a public place, and this is what he says. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, and angels have spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Amen. So much to draw from this passage, but this is the fourth time in the Old and New Testament in which God the Father speaks audibly so that everybody can hear. He spoke audibly in Sinai and three times during the coming of Jesus. Hebrews 12 actually does refer to the voice of God and... We read throughout Hebrews that we are to listen to the voice of God. There are a number of warnings throughout Hebrews 1 and 2 and 12 and such. But Hebrews 12 says, You have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. But see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And this, I believe, refers to the voice of God speaking uh, at various parts of Jesus' ministry, at his baptism and then at the Mount of Transfiguration, at which point there is a single message brought to all of us that uh, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, and then he says, hear him. Now that's the message of God to the world. Hear him. Listen to him. He doesn't say very much, but he does say something. He says, hear him. Listen to Jesus. That's the message. So, God reveals himself to us all the time, all over the place. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That's Psalm 19. So, God is speaking through natural revelation all around us. So, every square inch of the world around us is shouting the genius of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the goodness of God. But, generally, man ignores it. Man doesn't pay any attention to it. This is the default position of all of us by nature. God is revealing himself, he's shouting his glory all around us, but by nature we don't listen, we distract ourselves, we don't pay attention. Like the dung beetle, man is wrapped up in his dung. He doesn't have time to pay attention to God speaking or to the larger message. But here in this passage, John twelve twenty seven, God speaks audibly. Some people say, God told me, God spoke to me, I heard God tell me this or that. But actually we don't find God speaking audibly like this in a public place openly, except for four times in Scripture, and here He spoke. And this I would say would be extremely special revelation. But here's what I want to focus on this morning, is the reaction of the people. So God speaks, you know, this is the once in every 2,000 year event, it's a big deal. Something happens, God speaks every 2,000 years, would be a good idea to pay attention. But what do they do? How do they respond to this? That's what I want you to look at this morning. Well, what happens is that man is deflecting it, he's not paying attention to it. He interprets it as a natural phenomenon. He says it sounds like thunder. It sounds like thunder. Or maybe an angel. Okay, so it's deflection. It's a refusal to acknowledge God. It's, It's running away from God. It's not acknowledging in our minds that God is speaking to me right now. We deflect sometimes, even as we're reading our personal devotions or in a church service. We read the Word. We don't say, this is God speaking. Sometimes we just see it as something or other, maybe some wisdom, but not God speaking. But here God is speaking to me, and He's speaking to you, and He speaks now. And every time that we read the Word of God, this is not just a 2,000-year-old message, This is a message that comes from God to you right here and right now. So God is directing a message to you right now. And so now the message here, and just very briefly, I don't have time to go through this entire passage, but the message that the Father is bringing and that the Son would have him to bring is a message concerning his own glory. This is the crying need of the hour, the thing that needs to be communicated more than anything else. And partially because Jesus is going into a period of humiliation. So I believe that's why there is such an urgency about Jesus crying out to the Father, reveal the glory of God, reveal my own glory in this situation. So God is insisting on his own glory. He's completely committed to his own glory. God will be glorified. He'll be glorified whether or not people listen. He'll be glorified in the salvation of his people and in the damnation of the wicked. One way or the other, God will be glorified. Now, the question for all of us is whether we're going to say amen to that. That's the question for you this morning. Are you going to say amen? Yes. God must be glorified. I insist upon it. I have a jealous desire that that I not be glorified or that man not be glorified, but that God be glorified. Now, A.W. Tozer speaks on this passage, and I I want to bring out something I think is helpful. He compares scientific man with a man of faith. And he says, both men fall to their knees to the earth, As they hear the revelation of God, both men, scientific man and the man of faith, they both fall to their knees to the earth when they hear the voice of God. The believing man does not claim to understand. He falls to his knees and whispers, God. The scientific man, the man of the earth, kneels also. But not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, to find the cause and the how of things. By the way, this is exactly the way in which people respond to sermons. They'll either hear the message, the word of God, or they'll pick apart the sermon. Or they'll examine the method by which the sermon was conveyed to the people. This is a scientific man. Deflecting God, ignoring God. Rather analyzing, but not worshiping. So we see this great contrast between scientific man in how he receives the revelation of God and believing man in how he receives it. So brothers and sisters, how do we see it this morning? Can we see the glory of God? Are we cast to the ground by the majesty of God in his amazing works and his word conveying himself to us? Are you more likely to be caught up in endless explanations than in adoration? Is it explanation or adoration? Will you explain rather than to adore? Which is it? Modern man misses the message entirely. The human cell, we speak of this, amazing. 30 trillion cells running around in your body, all of which contain a DNA that contains as much information as 100 encyclopedias, and phenomenal. The human cell is much more complex than anything we had ever imagined. We know 100,000 times more of the complexity, the incomprehensibilities, the magnificence of the, the inner world of the atom and the cell, and the outer world of the galaxies and the universe, And yet with 100,000 times less of the glory and honor that we should pay to the Creator for it, that's modern man. Cosmic treachery against God in science classrooms. That's the way he responds to the revelation of God. He doesn't cast himself on the ground in adoration and worship. If I pour a can of paint on the ground, children, I just took a can of black paint and just cast it out to the ground, nobody would say, that's awesome. How did you do that? Such creativity. Amazing order. Such intention. What what, what is all of this? No, there's no wonder about that. That's not awesome. That's an accident. But that's the way scientific man is about the universe. It's an accident. And there's no wonder left in it. There's, There's no majesty. There's nothing to impress anybody. There's no awesomeness about the creation because there's no awesomeness about God. Because man is in rebellion against God. He's not responding in fear in a sense of God's awesomeness. The knowledge of the scientist who describes the chaos is no more impressive than the chaos itself. I wish there was some self consistency about this. You know, you walk into these universities and you say, Okay, so you're describing chaos. You're describing the chaos of the can of paint that was cast onto the ground. Your descriptions of the chaos are as boring and meaningless and stupid as the chaos itself. That's the way we used to respond to modern science. Amen? That's, that's the way that we would view the, the system of knowledge presented to us by the world. But how do we respond? How do you respond to all of this? First thing is our knowledge is so limited. Concerning the cell or the atom or redemption, the nature of God. We constantly brush up against the incomprehensible. We, we, we know something, but the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. All this world defies explanation and comprehension. Animate life. Animate life. It's phenomenal. Children, they take a muscle cells out of a little tiny... Blood spot in the egg. You had a blood spot in the egg, right? You crack an egg, you get a blood spot. That's a little chick embryo. They take that blood cell, those little muscle cells out of the little heart, and they put it into a saline solution. They watch these 10 muscle cells, and they're beating at 350 beats a minute still. And then as they continue to watch, they see that those muscle cells begin to beat in synchronicity they are talking to each other, listening to each other. That's God's amazing creation of life. How do you define it? How do you describe it? Where does it come from? Science can't give us the answer for that, but we know it comes from God, the source of all life. That's it. That's wonderful. That's awesome. That gives me the shivers to think about it. The muscle cells listening to each other, beating in synchronicity with each other. That's the mystery of life that God has created. So in summary, God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us. So what do we do? You stand before the starry heavens and see the expanse of it galaxies. You stand at the cross before the bloodied figure of the Son of God. Again, hear the words. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You listen first. You've got to listen. That's the first step. And so many never get to that step. They don't listen. So the first thing is listen. The second is it's appropriate response. And that is the state of being overwhelmed. Prostration. Silence. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So the second response is to be still, to, to be overwhelmed. It's a state of being overwhelmed. Enter into a state of being overwhelmed. And then one desire left in our minds and souls. Be Thou exalted, O Lord. Be Thou exalted in all the earth. An all-consuming, jealous, red-hot desire that God be glorified today. That God be exalted in this building today. Amen. Amen. Let's humble ourselves before God. Can we do that? That's the first thing we got to do. Humble ourselves before the Lord. We'll we'll kneel. If you don't want to kneel, that's all right. Just lean down, lean over, but be in a humble position. Uh, Let's kneel down, confess before the Lord Uh, the words that are on the screen or in the bulletin. Let's kneel down, confess our sins to God. Together, everybody. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And so we are helpless without you. O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare us as we confess our faults. Restore us as we are penitent according to your promises declared to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and devout life to the glory of your holy name. Amen.